We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Good evening, everyone. Now, this Mass is growing, but I'm sure you're not here because it was daylight savings time today. It's nothing to do with a little bit bigger congregation tonight. Okay, oh, I almost forgot. Today, before we jump in, we've got a couple just housekeeping items, and then I've got a really challenging homily for you tonight that I hope is really going to challenge you in a deep way. But really quick, uh, coronavirus, everybody's kind of worried about this right now. I don't think we need to be as worried as a lot of people are, but we are taking precautions, and so I just want to highlight a couple of those before we jump into the homily. Um, so you'll, you probably noticed tonight that all of our holy water fonts have been emptied. Uh, that's not because we're in Lent. You're not supposed to do that for Lent. It's because the church has said that's a way that can really easily spread. So they've asked us to empty all the holy water fonts. We've done that. Um, we are not going to have the sign of peace during Mass for a while. Uh, some of you are like, I have been waiting for Father Brian to do that forever. <laughs> um, it's not for you, okay? It's, <laughs> it's just to avoid that. We don't have to have that as part of the Mass. So we're not going to be doing the sign of the peace for the time being. Um, the hardest one for our community is going to be that we are... The, the church, I think this is going to become mandatory for every church in Denver soon. It isn't mandatory yet, but highly recommended. And we said, we're going to go ahead and just be proactive. We're going to start with this. So I'm asking you here at Lord's now, this is the hardest one for a lot of you. Uh, we're asking you not to receive on the tongue. I know that's hard for a lot of you. And I love that about our church. If you've never done that, by the way, um, now's not the time to start, but... Um, <laughs> That wasn't a joke. <laughs> but, but I do encourage you to try it sometime. There is something in our bodily actions. You don't have to do it, but there's something in our bodily actions that, that I think it helps humble us. But reverence, right? Here at Lord's, we reverence Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, as every Catholic in the world should, right? We do that. But I want to encourage you that you can do that in your heart and in your soul. That's the primary way we do that. When we come up to the altar, we reverence Jesus Christ in our heart and our soul. We don't talk to people on the way up. We're not thinking about what we're doing after Mass. We're remembering that we're encountering the crucified and risen Christ. Now, one helpful thing. Someone literally said to me this week, they said, they're like, FB, I can't remember how to receive on the hand. And I was like, go to school. Go back to our school. No. What you do is if you're right-handed, put your left hand on top of your right, and that way the minister, myself or another, can put the Eucharist in your left hand and flip that if you're left-handed, and then you can reach around and, and uh, it sounds weird to say grab, but you can grab the Eucharist with your right hand. St. Cyprian is one of the early church fathers, and when he, and he's a great saint in the early church, when he was instructing new Christians coming into the faith, that's how he instructed them to do that. And what he says is, he says, imagine your hands as a throne for Christ. And make a throne for him to reign. Uh, and so I do encourage you to that. Lastly, the last thing I just want to highlight 
is that after Mass is I love you all, I will be out after Mass. We're going to try not to shake hands. It feels weird. I was told that the Archbishop is like promoting like you can do like a foot kick with other people. I'm like, I will not do that with you, okay? I'll give you an elbow if you want an elbow. Um, it's going to be weird for a little while doing that, but we'll deal with it. We'll get through it. It'll help not just with coronavirus, but just with sickness in general. Uh, and we'll be through this before you know it. Okay, I want to challenge you tonight. Tonight's second reading is going to provide us with a way to understand the gospel. In our second reading, St. Paul, he's in prison. And Paul writes a number of his letters in the New Testament. He was in chains. And tonight he says this to you. He says it to Timothy, but he says it to you. He says, do not be ashamed of testifying to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but take your share of suffering for the gospel and the power of Jesus Christ. Tonight I want to challenge you to take your share of suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you make it to heaven, your glory will not be that you were a nice person. It will not be that you were successful. Your glory in heaven will not be, right, that you, I don't know, avoided certain sins. Your glory in heaven will be that you suffered for something that mattered. That will be your glory and your crown in heaven. And it is worth suffering for. So tonight I want to start in our crucifix. I mean, I love teaching about our, the symbols in our church. I need to do it more. So if you don't know, so there's four symbols. That the, the gold at the edges of the cross are the four symbols of the Gospels. And those come from the books of Ezekiel and Revelation. And, and those books have what are called the four living creatures. And the four living creatures are the throne of God. And the early church understood that Jesus Christ is enthroned on the four Gospels. And so ever since the beginning of the church, those four symbols, the four living creatures, have under, been understood to refer to one of the gospel writers. And I don't, I'm not going to, I'm going to save the other ones because I know you want to hear them another time. But tonight I want to focus on one of them. So when, when early Christians, if you were coming into the church, if you were in my RCIA class, the book you would give someone who knows nothing about Christianity is the gospel of Matthew. That's the first book you would give someone. But after you had kind of decided, yes, I want to be a Christian, I want to follow Jesus, I believe he is God, I believe in eternal life, I believe in the resurrection, I've been baptized. When you've done that, the next book that someone should really read is the Gospel of St. Mark. In Mark's Gospel, the, the main message of Mark's Gospel is, now that you are a disciple, a follower of God, Take up your cross and come follow me. And Jesus is going to emphasize that 
in the Gospel of Mark, and Mark's going to point that out more emphatically than the other three Gospel writers are. And so Mark's symbol on our cross, and some, some of you, your Bibles, my Bible is so beat up, but it has the same symbols. The symbol for St. Mark's Gospel is to the left, on the left side of the cross. And it's a lion. I know it's hard to see from where you're at. After Mass, come up and look at it. It's beautiful. But it's a lion, and why is that? All four of the symbols come from the beginning of each of the four Gospels. So at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, we're told that Jesus is in the wilderness with the wild beasts. It's the only Gospel that says that. And here's why it matters. Mark, Mark is writing to a church that is legitimately suffering. Right, you and I, we have first world problems, don't we? I got a lot of first world problems, right? And I'm, and I'm quick to point them out to people, right? When you, when I'm, I'm on I-25 today, like wailing at people in my collar on the horn, I'm like, you just got off a priest, <laughs> right? May God have mercy on your soul. Right, I have a lot of first world problems, but I, I don't really suffer for the gospel. We'll get to that a little bit later, I hope. In some small ways, I hope I do. But I don't really suffer for the gospel. Mark was writing his gospel to the church in Rome. And St. Peter is his main source for the gospel. Mark is a disciple of St. Peter. And when he wrote his gospel, the Christians in Rome are being tortured and killed, and one of the primary ways they are dying and shedding their blood is they're being taken to the Colosseum and they're eaten alive by lions. That's why this symbol of Mark's gospel is a lion. If you, there's a really hip copy shop, I know you are all super cool. If you go to, uh, over like on 17th in York, I think it is, there is a coffee shop called St. Mark's. And if you go there, there's going to be two big cement lions right outside that coffee shop. You won't find me there. I'm not cool enough. They won't let me in. Okay. In Romans chapter 8, St. Paul says this. And this is, and I'll just paraphrase it. St. Paul says in Romans 8, he says, if we would reign with Christ, we must also suffer with Christ. If we would reign with Christ, we must also suffer with Christ. Tonight, I am not talking about your first world problems. I am not talking about the fact that you don't have a girlfriend. Brush your teeth, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I am talking about if you suffer as a Christian. And I'm going to call you tonight that you need to suffer as a Christian. The world today, and in every age, there's aspects of this, but the world today does not love the gospel. If you, and you know it as well as I do, if you go up and you stand up for the teachings of Jesus Christ, if you teach people that God's love it's not a soft love. It's not, right? It's not like a, a pillow love. 
God's love is the kind of love that says you're better than this. And those of you who are parents know that when you love your children, when you authentically love them, a good parent calls their children to a high standard. And that's the kind of love that our Father has for us. If you stand for that, if you tell our, our culture the truth about sexuality, if you stand for life, if you stand for right and wrong, you will suffer for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, I want you to do that well. I don't want you to do it in a stupid way. I don't want you to be jerks about it. I don't want you to be harsh with people. But I do want you to do it because it's going to be your glory in heaven. It will be your glory and your crown. Right? In heaven, someday, God willing, if you and I make it there, right, you'll look around, and people will say, well, how did you get here? And you say, you know, I stood up for the lives of unborn children. And I lost friends over it, and I was ostracized by my family. And I suffered for something that mattered. I stood up for something that was inconvenient in my time, just as Jesus gave his life for the truth. If we would reign with him, we must also suffer with him. We have to do that. We have to be men and women who are willing to suffer for what's true and right and good. And brothers and sisters, what happens tonight in the gospel is that Jesus wants to give us encouragement because he knows it's hard. It's not easy to be a Christian. And it's harder in some ways for a lot of you than it is for me. My job as a priest is to build you up. It's to give you courage and to say this is the truth. You are loved. God goes before you and behind you. Your family, the great saints in heaven, pray for you daily. You are to be nourished at the altar of God with the sacraments, right, and to receive his mercy in the confessional. And then you, though, have got to go out and stand up for it. And I know that's hard. I know it's hard. When people see me in my collar, right, at coffee shops, you know, you, I look up for my book and they just pretend they didn't see me and they weren't staring at me, right? When you do it in your workplace, everyone assumes you're pro-choice. Everyone assumes that you think any form of sexuality is perfectly fine as long as you don't murder someone else. And everyone thinks only a barbarian would think otherwise. And I know it's hard to be a Christian. But that's what you're called to. When I was, this is a totally lame analogy, but hear me out anyways. This is below what we're talking about. But right now in the Companions of Christ, everybody got into biking. Everyone's into biking. 
And so I talk about this, and people in the parish, they're like, FB, you want to go biking with me? And I'm like, no way in H-E double hockey sticks. Father Brian's put on a few pounds over the years, you see, and I don't want to be humiliated. So, but when we go biking, we kind of have like, we have like the elite group, and then we have the guys who don't do anything athletic ever, and I'm like in the middle. So last summer, we were all together in the mountains, and Father John's like, hey guys, let's go for a ride. Father John Neppel, one of my best friends, known him for a long, long time, is a habitual liar. And so what we did, and you can tell him I said so, and he knows it's true. I'll go to confession later. (laughs) So we go for a ride, and whenever Father John does anything, he always downplays the difficulty of it. He knows, like, for instance, he knows I'm scared of heights. We were in seminary when we went to the Wet Mountain Valley, and he's like, Larkin, there's not much exposure on this hike. It's perfectly safe. Walk in the park. I'm like hanging onto a cliff, like there's a knife edge cliff. I'm like, I hate you with a perfect hate, right? (laughs) So we went on a bike ride and he's like, it'll just be easy. We're just taking the guys out, nice little spin. And we're at a high point up in Edwards and we're biking down and we are going and going and going and it's all downhill. And we were like 35 miles out. I was like, <laughs> we've got to, we've, we've got to go back up. <laughs> and so I turned around, right? And, and we, we turn around and I don't know that I've ever been so close to death in my life. We go back, and we're, we're back up, and we've been biking for hours and hours and hours. It's probably about three days. And <laughs> we got back close to where we were staying at, and I still had about a 1,500-foot climb. And I, 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 you ever had that feeling where you're about ready to pass out? That's where I was at. And I... I got off my bike and I just had to, you know, stand at the side of the road, you know, eat about eight cliff bars, drink a ton of water, and the only thing, right, and it's, it's, it's a ridiculous story, but the only thing that got me to the top, and I found renewed energy after this, the only thing, is this huge uphill we had left, the only thing that got me up to the top of that, that last climb was I was thinking about this magical thing afterwards. It's called a hot tub. <laughs> and that literally got me to the top. I know everybody's like, man, if I could just go sit in a hot tub with about eight priests, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> that was me. And so I'm toast, but I was like, I've got to make it up there. And here's the point. It's a simple point, isn't it? We all know this, and this is, that's a natural, dumb example. You and I are willing to suffer when there's something good on the other side. And I don't think I could walk the next day after that bike ride. But I knew there was something good on the other side. And so I was willing to keep going. 
Brothers and sisters, we're not playing games here. We're not, we're not going like, to make our way back to a mountain house with a hot tub. You and I are playing for all the cards. The transfiguration, what Jesus does tonight, is the apostles, he has told them, he says, I am going to be crucified. I'm going to suffer. And I need you to suffer with me. If you would reign with Christ, you must also suffer with Christ. Those three apostles, Peter, James, and John, those are the same three that will be in the Garden of Gethsemane. Today, Jesus' face shines like the sun. Matthew wants us to see in the transfiguration, his face is like the sun. On the cross, the sun goes dark. Today, at the, at the transfiguration, Elijah appears with Jesus. On the crucifix, on the cross, Jesus will cry out, and the bystanders say he's calling Elijah to save him, to take him to heaven in a chariot of fire. But Elijah doesn't come on the cross. Jesus was willing to suffer for us because there was something worth suffering for. Brothers and sisters, there's something worth suffering for. You gotta get off the sideline. Happiness in your life is not about your mortgage being paid off. It is not about a certain bank account size. It is not about a certain relationship with another human being. Happiness in this life and the next is about being a man or a woman who knows they have a purpose. And you've got one. Boy, do you ever. And if you, if you listen to the voice of Jesus, right, if you hear that call, you will not only be willing to suffer, you will go joyfully. The worst thing, right, don't you hate it when, when somebody has done something difficult and incredible and you just missed it? You say, oh man, I wish I could have been a part of that. When I was a college student, the, the campus ministry at the University of Colorado was disastrous. It was awful. It drove Catholic students into the arms of Protestant churches. And two of my friends were ordained priests, and they went to see you, and I knew they were going to suffer. And I knew everyone would be against them turning that program around. And boy, did they ever. Those two men, two good men, suffered more than most people I've ever known in terms of their priestly ministry. And I was so jealous. I really was, because I knew it mattered, and I loved CU, and I wanted to see people come to Christ. There are things we're suffering for. Will you do it? Will you be a voice in the culture for life? 
that the greatest evil, the evil in the world is not about discomfort and not having every little desire you want. That's not evil. Evil in our culture is when we make choices against God. That's evil. Not, not missing something, some desire that you have. Do not be ashamed of testifying to our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but take your share of suffering for the gospel and the power of God.